In this episode of Octal FM, we're joined by Tom, who is going to tell us all about multiplayer online battle arenas, such as League of Legends and Dota 2. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Sefra. And joining us today is Tom. Hi, I'm Tom and I'm here to talk about some MOBAs. Yeah, so today we're going to be discussing MOBAs, which is a type of video game. And it's an acronym, unsurprisingly. And it's short for Multiplayer Online Battle Arena, which feels like a really weird acronym to pick. But there we go. It does, but it's a pretty accurate one as well. It's definitely accurate. Well, what is a MOBA then? A MOBA is a multiplayer game, hence the M in the acronym. And it tends to have a small team, like two teams, two small teams of players. Pretty much almost always five, right? We were trying to think, weren't we, of a MOBA that doesn't have five players and has more than five or less than five. But I think it's mostly five. I think five tends to work well in a dynamic you play a particular hero or character from a pool of characters that you can choose from and you all play together on one map where the map is arranged such that at one side of the map or the, or the arena, hence the A in the acronym, <laughs> um, there is your base for your team and then on the other side of the arena is the base of the enemy team and you essentially are just trying to destroy the opposing team's base. To do that, you tend to need to, obviously you need to go from one side of the map to the other. You start in your base and you move to their base. And the maps tend to be designed such that they have particular choke points or lanes, as they're commonly called, that you can go along in that map to reach the other base. And most MOBAs, and again, I don't know if it's every MOBA, they tend to have minions or like non-playable characters that are on your side and ones on the enemy side and they move through those lanes automatically and they're there to sort of, I don't know, like what what is the purpose of those? As you mentioned, you have traditionally three lanes but varying MOBAs and varying maps, you'll have a different amount of lanes but these minions will run down the lanes um, symmetrically between both, both teams' minions will move at the same speed and following the same paths mirroring each other and they will clash in the middle and the minions will fight against the minions and then your job traditionally will be to go and help kill the enemy minions which will help your minions push forward into the lane and eventually reach some kind of structure um, on the opposing team and the minions will then attack that structure and do some chip damage to it. Exactly. Explained way better than I could have. And then eventually you get into the base. Um, There tends to be defensive structures that you also need to destroy as you're working your way into the base. And then ultimately you destroy their base and that's how you win the game. And there's, you know, loads of other stuff around it and different mechanics and different gameplay elements, but fundamentally that's how it works. And different games treat it very differently as well. Uh, And we're going to be discussing some of those interesting differences later. Mm. But that's kind of like a very brief kind of overall idea of what a MOBA is. And it's not like one specific style of game, like plenty of games kind of do their own riffs on it and use it in different ways. And it's even expanded into kind of other genres now as well, where certain genres are kind of borrowing MOBA elements. 
Yeah, definitely. And where have these come from? They've been around for a long time, right? But it kind of, it all actually started with a uh, a mod, right, for uh, Warcraft three. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was Warcraft three on uh, PC by Blizzard, and it was just a simple case of using the more interesting hero mechanics in that RTS game, the most RTS games did at the time. Go and uh, if you want to hear about more RTS games, you know you can go and listen to our RTS episode. Absolutely. Uh, but it, it's what it did is rather than using it to kind of create another just standard RTS map, it created that kind of like that symmetrical map where your minions, your creeps would move along a set a set path all the time and then you would use those to try and destroy your base and then you would use the heroes within Warcraft at the time before they kind of added more and more and more to do different things because they had like a skill system built into them like yeah. every kind of Warcraft hero had certain skills they could use and that became a very important part of it to know how to use your skills when to use them uh, as well as to use what items and that basically spawned MOBAs didn't it really yeah that's right the Warcraft 3 engine was taken and manipulated to become what was, I think, originally known as Defense of the Ancients, uh, and that that game had some underground popularity, and, and that's where MOBA games as a genre essentially started and took off. And now, the popularity of MOBAs, and in particular, a MOBA, a very, very popular MOBA called League of Legends, which is by a company called Riot Games, it cannot be understated how huge they have become, um, and League in particular. We we were just sort of bouncing around some some numbers that that sound just mind boggling if you're not aware of how huge video games have become. But for example, even as we're recording right now, there are hundreds of thousands of people watching a championship, a League of Legends tournament, live on Twitch, which is a online. Um, video streaming platform that is mostly or almost exclusively used for streaming video games. And that's just the early part of the um, EU championships. It's not even like the world championships. It's not a final or anything like that. It's just like ordinary run-of-the-mill matches, if you like, going on. And there are just hundreds of thousands of people watching right now. And some even larger statistics when you look at the world championships, because there are world championships for these games. And again, we're talking specifically about one League of Legends, which we will talk more about later. Um, but in 2015, there were 36 million unique viewers just for the final of the World Championships of League of Legends. Now, I believe that figure means that it was second in terms of most watch events of the year only to the Super Bowl in the United States, which is pretty mad when you think about it. That's correct. I remember at the time reading that it made mainstream news in America because the viewer count eclipsed that of the NBA finals. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> absolutely amazing. I think part of that is down to the fact that it is exceedingly international, you know, and yeah. the fact that you have these things streamed online makes them very international compared to something like the Super Bowl, which while huge and also quite international is still very US centric. Definitely. But also last year as well, 2016, the final of the World Championships was held in the Staples Center in LA, which is just a, a huge sports arena. And did it sell out? Is that right, Tom? Uh, yeah, I believe it did. And also, that wasn't the first time that it was held in the Staples Center either. It was actually, mm. I don't believe it was a sellout, but in 2014, they sold uh, a large 
a large percentage of the capacity of the Staples Center for the World Championships that year. Wow. So this this is something that has been extremely popular for a number of years. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say for clarity that the NBA Finals and some of the bigger American sports broadcasts still vastly eclipsed League of Legends in terms of concurrent viewers, but for unique viewers over the over the course of the finals themselves, um, that's the thirty six million value mm. that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean you cannot you cannot really understate how hugely popular this is like that those figures it's like half the population of the uk is ridiculous last year there was also a five million dollar prize pool for the world championships which is not an insignificant amount of money um (laughs) absolutely not and a lot of these professional players especially in the na region uh are being paid six-figure salaries to play Mm. this game Mm. Uh, this is a career now not just uh, absolutely not just a hobby Although much of the esports scene is uh, is dominated by MOBAs, it isn't you know exclusive to MOBAs. There are other genres of games that are very popular, like FPSs, particularly uh, RTS as well, like your StarCraft, especially in uh, in Korea and China. Mm. But MOBAs are really one that is like leading the charge for esports being accepted as a as a more mainstream source of both entertainment, but also like you say, a career, mm. something that people can do to make a living to, to you know to, to become famous by there are some you know quite famous people that are becoming getting quite mainstream attention well, well absolutely yeah. you see a lot of the most uh popular and uh, successful players in the west but also in korea having these huge individual sponsorships with companies like red bull the player famous for being the best in the world is a south korean player called faker uh, who has an individual contract with SK Telecom and stars in TV commercials for sports brands and communications companies wow. and things like that. That's so cool. So that is, you know, the popularity of MOBAs, particularly League of Legends, but not just uh, not just that example. But what is it that makes MOBAs so engaging? And when you really strip them down, there's so many subtle decisions that maybe game designers change about their particular MOBA but just the genre as a whole just feels like it's something that grabs hold of a player and then the player is just kind of hooked on it right with a with a MOBA essentially you're going to select a character and you're going to take this character out into the arena as we explained in the in the start and you're going to go on this journey with your character that you've selected where you're traditionally going to start at level one and you're going to level up bit by bit and continually get stronger whilst facing off against your opponents who are also working to get stronger and you're you're seeing this this progression but also these the story that tends to be written as the game unfolds where you're going to have a face off with your opponent at level 1 but then you'll be facing off again at level 5 and level 10 and different games have different level caps but you're constantly getting stronger and your the abilities available to you are constantly changing but this is all within the realm of one game which is going to last between 20 and 40 minutes traditionally if it's league of legends um but for any moba i think you're looking at something like 15 to 30 minutes traditionally and this is something you can do again and again so you're having the strengths of an rpg almost where you're taking a character and progressing your character and unlocking new abilities but in kind of a snapshot of 30 minutes of of one fight with one objective and this is something that you can play out not just with one character but with with a whole host of characters a whole roster of characters again to go to league of legends i think 
it, there's over 130 unique characters with unique abilities and unique backstories to choose from. And you can dive into one character or to a selection of characters and play out these battles as, as many times as you want. And that's one of the things that allows MOBAs to be kind of that infinite replayability as well, which is what makes you keep coming back to the game over and over again. Because obviously, you know, the maps themselves don't change very much. Like there is some variation depending on what game you're playing. For example, like League, I think it's pretty much just really one map, isn't there? The competitive map is Summoner's Rift and they will throw on a seasonal skin every now and then. You'll get some <laughs> snow in winter and some pumpkins in Halloween, but it's the it's the one it's the same structure whereas like a game like Heroes of the Storm which is another game that we uh, we've played ourselves like at the lands that we've discussed in the past they kind of like use different game mechanics depending on the map so you'll be like different objectives slightly but even with that they're essentially still the same game every single time and the reason that you want to keep going back is that you can master that hero in a slightly different way. You can maybe experiment with a different like level, sorry, a different like talent setup or a different um, item setup. And you can maybe try it with different heroes as well. Because that's so important as well is the interaction and the varying interaction between heroes. Mm. I think the other thing as well also is that like many team games, you know, there's a huge amount of strategy because of the nature of the way that they're played, because they're played competitively, because there are a lot of characters that you can choose from and skills and that kind of thing, the developers of MOBAs tend to have a constant battle between the people who are playing very seriously, playing very competitively, and they are trying to find ways to get the edge over other people. So they're trying to find like maybe a particular hero that is a bit more powerful than everyone else when they are played in a certain way and their skills and their, and their abilities are used in a certain way. So as a result, MOBAs tend to be changing quite a lot and they actually tend to be quite fluid, even though it's the same game and it's the same set of heroes and it's the same maps and you're, you're completing similar or the same objectives over and over again. Over time, weeks or months or years, the game changes as different heroes are made more powerful or less powerful or new heroes are added or heroes are sometimes completely reworked. You know, when you've got 120 heroes to choose from, there are some that naturally people are going to just kind of forget about or maybe stop playing quite as much so riots the makers of league of legends will have like a rework well where they'll take an old hero and they'll change how they look they'll change some of their skills you know and sort of bring them back to the forefront and then people will play them again maybe they'll find a new slot in how they fit into to team mechanics and stuff like that so there's a lot of dynamicness from from that point of view um even though the game itself is fundamentally the same Absolutely. With League of Legends, we're currently live on patch 7.2, which uh, corresponds to 72 different patches since the game's launch from beta. There will be another patch in next week, and mm. you'll see varying degrees of changes. Sometimes it is just a case of a, a balance change, taking a bit of power away from a dominant champion and adding that power onto maybe a neglected champion. Mm. But usually in the in the main patch, the new season patch, so patch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you will see huge changes to the game, to sometimes to the structure of the map or to the role of a certain class of champion in the game. Uh, for example, in patch seven, um, 7.0, Riot completely reworked the Assassins class. So you have a roster of Assassins heroes. I think there's perhaps 20 heroes who could be defined as Assassins. And they changed the the cost and also the 
effects and stats of a lot of the items that were available to assassins to buy, which changes the way that they're played out on Summoner's Rift. Mm. And they also reworked several of the assassin champions, reworking their abilities, reworking some of their aesthetics. And and this is just a matter of weeks ago. And you're seeing these these big changes every every number of months traditionally in the off season of the of the professional game. And so to an extent, every competitive season, you're playing a different version of the same game. Mm, absolutely. Well, one, of the, one of the lovely things about that as well, which creates more engagement for these kind of games, is that it creates its very own meta game, uh, And that's so important as well, because that gets people invested and that gets people talking as well. And that gets people discussing things, be it on a solo level, like just kind of casually on maybe forums or something, or with friends that you happen to play with, or with a professional team that you, you know, you play with to make money. It's such an important discussion to say like, you know, what's going to happen if we choose this hero or we go with this strategy versus what most people are currently doing with these kind of set of champions within uh, the current meta game. Uh, and that really makes it so much more, even more infinitely replayable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we've talked a lot about about League of Legends. We've also touched a little bit on Heroes of the Storm, which is another MOBA by Blizzard, and also, of course, Dota and Dota Two, which is the you know the original, so to speak. But there are others as well. And how do they vary? Like we've talked a little bit about. For example, League of Legends, we've referred to the fact that you can buy different items which change how your character plays out. And that sort of adds some variance to League of Legends in particular. But in League of Legends, the map is is always the same. But then that varies in other games, right? Like Heroes of the Storm, which is something that I've played a lot of, there are no items. Um, and in fact, they actually just, they vary the the map and they also vary how you customize your character as you level up. Through each individual match, you can change how you sort of specify your character and how you want them to be what else is there and why why is that like what what makes them all different why aren't they just all the same well i think with the immense popularity of league of legends it would be very difficult for anybody to compete with taking the same ingredients of this game and just trying to recreate it with separate mm. characters. This, this was a this has been attempted before, and uh, company after company has has come and attempted to replicate the the MOBA model with the traditional minions, and you kill minions to gain currency, use currency to buy items to power up your heroes, to win more battles, to defeat the enemy base. Um, this has been used, and this has been tried, and and it has failed. And something like Heroes of the Storm has come along and been successful because of these changes and also because Blizzard were able to utilize an existing roster of familiar characters that people wanted to buy into. Mm. Um, I think variety is extremely important when you're looking to compete within a genre with such a successful game. You won't beat League of Legends at the job of being League of Legends. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which is why most of the kind of other top MOBAs where we've mentioned like Heroes of the Storm, uh, Dota 2, uh, one that I don't think we mentioned but we discussed earlier is like Smite, for example. They don't try it in the first place. They do something a bit different, a bit more interesting. Well, not more interesting, just, you know, more varied, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, like you've got things like Dota, which uh, you've described as being kind of a bit more cumbersome, but almost with design. Well, at the risk of drawing the ire of Dota purists, I think (laughs) Dota and Dota 2 
has remained very loyal to the same engine, but this engine has aged, and this results in an acquired state of mechanical <laughs> well-being. Let's say that's a very polite way of putting it. <laughs> so, certainly, there's, um, for example, your character will have a turning circle. You can't just you can't turn around. You have to almost like you're driving a car. You have to turn your character around, and it mm. it just it feels very slow and not very responsive. But that's coming from somebody who's played League of Legends, which was built as essentially an advance on what Dota was trying to be with a brand new engine. Yeah, and I think also it's not necessarily a straight line, but they've kind of progressed from being quite a hardcore, inaccessible, steep learning curve Definitely. game. Like the original yeah. Dota, you know, the mo- the map mod for Warcraft was quite an inaccessible game. There were a lot of stuff around it, you know, and also that that's not helped by the fact that it was a mod, you know, it's, it's managed by a community. So that's, yeah. they're just naturally going to become more complex because that's what happens when you have a community playing a game all the time. Um, and then so League is, is kind of like, you know, more accessible. They've removed some of the mechanics. They've changed things around a bit. If you progress further down that line and you look at something like Heroes of the Storm, where they've taken away even more things that make it inaccessible for newcomers. Heroes of the Storm is a lot more forgiving in the way that it plays because of just the nature of the decisions that Blizzard have made about how they've made the game. So I think there's always a trade-off as well between how many mechanics you have and how complicated they are. Like, do you have turning circles for characters? Do you have items that you can buy? You know, do you have different talent trees that you can choose before the match starts to decide how your character's going to play. And then you work away from those and you have less, fewer and fewer of those. And then you have a more, perhaps a more accessible game, but also lacking in the depth that perhaps then makes it popular and perform and succeed to the scale of League of Legends. Because I think the depth of League of Legends is part of what makes it so successful. Because as Seth said earlier on, with a complex and a fluid metagame, you have all of that discussion and, you know, involvement in it where, you know, people are talking about this game and they're dissecting it and you need a complex game with complex mechanics in order to be able to dissect it. Absolutely. There are certain plays that have happened in specific games of League of Legends that still get talked about to this day mm. from, from years ago. Specific interactions between two players on two champions that will be immortalized in a, in a GIF format um, <laughs> due to the complexity of the game. And you, you could watch these in, in, in a video or a streamable and hear the, the way the commentators are talking about these very specific interactions between champions that on one hand are completely inaccessible to somebody that doesn't know anything mm. about the names of the abilities being used but at the same time it sounds just like watching a football match yeah with exactly. the you know you can hear the roar of the crowd and the intensity and the excite excitability of the the commentators or shoutcasters as they're called uh, in esports so there's two sides to it on one hand something that seems overcomplicated and inaccessible to somebody that doesn't know about it. But on the other hand, you have something that is as engaging as popular sports can be mm. and in a competitive sense. And this extends not this isn't just about League of Legends. This I think the concept of having two teams with two bases who want to reach the enemy team's base, that is essentially American football. <laughs> if you if you yeah. think about it. Yeah, so, very true. The, the success of MOBAs is some combination of a, a model that works in popular sports and also in video games with this fantasy element of picking this character and developing this character through the course of a game. That's universal between uh, across all of the MOBAs. Mm. 
MOBAs are something that aren't going away anytime soon. Like they're just growing in popularity. So many, you know, tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people watch these streams every single day of like both professional players, but also like professional streamers who do it for the entertainment side of things rather than necessarily for the professional gaming side of things. And this is being picked up by a more traditional mainstream kind of like corporate identity as well aren't they like more and more big companies um like was the example you made like red bull uh, and, and things like that are investing and in even purchasing rights to certain say teams absolutely you have the 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 dodgers in uh in america i think it's the la dodgers have, have purchased a league of legends team and they're now a professional league of legends team under a different brand name but nevertheless a, a professional sports franchise has bought into esports. In Europe, you have the German football team Schalke FC. They have purchased a League of Legends team. And that League of Legends team is is now active in the professional circuit in Europe. Mm-hmm. If you could chart it from, you know, a kind of underground community in Dota and Dota 2 to now we're talking about huge sports franchises in North America and Europe and huge communications companies like SK Telecom and Samsung in Korea, which both own hugely popular and successful teams uh, in the Asian professional leagues. Um, We've seen this this kind of progress in this journey from essentially a mod of an RTS to a a sport. Yeah, exactly. It's bringing in millions of viewers and generating millions of dollars in six-figure salaries for for essentially young adults who are playing video games for a living. What I really, really love about that, and this is almost a little bit tangential, but it's, it makes me so excited about MOBAs particularly, is this is accessible to anyone with an, a half-rate computer. You don't even need a particularly powerful computer to play these games often, and a decent internet connection, and that's it. Anyone can play. And it's not even like location's a big deal for the most part. Like if you want to be a professional, say, football player, you'd have to go and you know live where your the team that wants to hire you is. Well, with a with a MOBA, you you've got your computer, and that's it. You can take part in these like high end competitive games if you get that good. Yeah, the fact that they're online and the fact that it's the internet and it's a video game just makes it so infinitely accessible to anyone. And the fact that they're mostly free. Are, are any charged MOBAs? Uh, I was gonna say that. I think we've we've come this far without mentioning that MOBAs are free to play uh, almost universally. All of the ones we've discussed, uh, Smite. Dota 2, League of Legends, and Heroes of the Storm are free-to-play at point of entry. And generally, they generate a lot of money through essentially microtransactions, aesthetic purchases or things that accelerate your acquisition of things that you would otherwise champions or aesthetics that you could otherwise acquire through grinding the game. Yeah, and actually that brings us nicely on to to say, you know, you may be listening to this and you maybe you've never played a MOBA before and, you know, this is, you're only just hearing about them and now you really want to play one. Um, and actually the fact that they're all free um, is a really good point and that, you know, you don't have to even go and buy one of these. You could just, you could finish listening to this episode and just go and download League of Legends right now. Although... There are definitely some aspects to MOBAs because they're so well established and I think League of Legends in particular that make it a little bit difficult to get into despite the fact that it is universally accessible, right? For sure. In the case of League of Legends, you have a process where your account will have to be leveled up from level 1 to level 30 uh, before you can play competitively. 
in the game. Uh, and this is a very time-consuming process. I think it usually takes about a month of solid playing every day to, to level an account to, to the level where you can play competitively. And the idea behind that is that, as in Heroes of the Storm, I believe, by the time you reach that level cap, you should have enough experience in the game to go out and compete and go and play in a more competitive setting against other people who have taken that journey from level 1 to level 30. However, with League of Legends, you have a lot of players who have duplicate accounts. And this is this is completely legal. Um, this is completely within Riot's terms of terms of use. You can have as many accounts as you wish. If you, I, they're making more money from you doing microtransactions <laughs> on multiple accounts. Yeah. However, what you find is if you jump into League of Legends cold on your own, your journey from level one to level thirty as a beginner will face you up against a lot of players who are not on their first journey from level one to level thirty. And there is a steep learning curve for League of Legends where you it is not a forgiving game. If you are defeated within an inter individual interaction in the game, if you're beaten in your lane matchup, you will fall behind and you will have almost no utility in the game. And if you're jumping in cold and you're playing against experienced players, this will happen game after game. And these games have a minimum length of 20 minutes. So you're going to be essentially trapped in a game where you're having the life beaten out of you repeatedly <laughs> by somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And it, it's a very draining experience. And I've seen many of my friends try and fail to get into League of Legends because you watch the broadcast and it looks like so much fun. But what you're seeing on the street on the screen is a complicated array of mechanics and decision making and game knowledge that you just don't have access to at the point of entry. Mm. And it can be very difficult to to go in that way on your own and face off against these experienced players. Yeah, and so for that reason, I guess, and it's actually something you, you've touched on a little bit there, is that it's really useful if you can find either some friends in real life or maybe an online community. I know you gave an example of, for League of Legends, there's a subreddit called Summoner School. That's right. Where some people around you that you can either learn from if they're already experienced and they've played the game for a while or also that you can all learn together and just have fun and it kind of softens the blow i think seth this is something you touched on earlier um before we started recording like if you're going to play league of legends to get good and you're on your own that's going to be very frustrating but if you're playing league of legends because you've got some friends that play and you have fun and if you lose it's like it doesn't matter so much it's just kind of like it's a bit irritating but it's it's okay because you're having a nice time anyway and you're chatting with your friends and stuff like that and you're learning about the game that's a so much better way of of approaching league of legends and mobas in general um they work better in that in that kind of environment and also again this is quite specific about league of legends but i know that if you're interested in fantasy uh, game, fantasy stories or fantasy games or whatever and backstory and that kind of thing, Riot um, are very proud of their, their world building and their stories behind all their heroes. Is that right? That's exactly right. There is a, an enormous universe which sets the backstory to the entire League of Legends, which was originally a place where uh, warriors and characters from throughout this universe all wound up for some reason. And there was a, a kind of a meme where it was the characters would just have their their art style and a, a cool little bit about their personality. And then 
they would just have a dark, mysterious past and they wound up in the League of Legends. Um, and th- this was in the origin of the game. But since then, Riot has grown as a company and expanded massively. Uh, you've seen this this amount of investment into story and world building, as you say, where you have these characters that represent different factions within different nations or even different galaxies in some cases, all within this this cohesive universe with interactions between all of these different characters where you might find yourself out on Summoner's Rift facing off against your fated rival or your counterpart or your mm-hmm. even your ally in some cases. And quite often Riot will introduce little voice interactions before the game between these, these characters for extra mm-hmm. flavor. Uh, and flavor's the word for it, Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And it's amazing how much that makes the game go from a good game to a fantastic experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it sell, it's, there's, there's, there are other examples of that. I mean, hell, I'm looking at a background now for uh, Overwatch, and they do very, very similar things. And you can definitely mm-hmm. tell that was a very big part of their decision-making process when they were making the game, was to make sure flavor was there. And... It makes you want to play one hero or a collection of heroes even more because you feel more attached to them because you know the backstory and you really kind of buy into that backstory. And then maybe when they get like extra skins, like extra cosmetic items, you're like so excited about wanting to get those. So you play it even more to try and unlock them or maybe, you know, you do the microtransaction to maybe acquire them quicker. Mm. And it's just a never ending cycle of wanting to get more out of these heroes that you care about mm. because they've put in that work and created this really rich, deep universe. So basically MOBAs, like on the surface, it's a, you know, it's a team-based 5v5 game, you know, where you you play matches, they last 20 to 30 minutes, but actually there's so much more to them. And that's part of why they are so huge. There's just this endless universe of both within the game, the backstory around the game, the meta game, all the esports, like they're just, they are just huge. And we hope that you uh, you go and try one if you've not played one before, or if you do, you can give us your opinions on that as well. Uh, where can we uh, where can we get in touch with us there, Joe? Um, well, as always, you can email us uh, show at octal.fm, and you can also tweet us. We're at octal.fm on Twitter, and I also post the occasional update about new episodes and editing and things like that. And don't forget that you can always go back. Um, onto our website, which is octal.fm, where you can go and listen to our past episodes. Uh, And also there are links there to subscribe. So you can subscribe in iTunes or Overcast or Pocket Casts or whichever is your favorite uh, podcast listening app or utility. You can listen to this uh, podcast while you're in Summoner's Rift next time. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So I've been Sephron. I've been Gelada. And I've been the dashing guest star, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. What's your uh, Summoner's Rift handle, if anyone wants to come and find Uh, you in League of Legends? My League of Legends summoner name is Modest, all lowercase. So if you want to send me a friend request and duke it out on the Rift, (laughs) I'll be waiting for you. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. But yeah, and uh, yeah, catch us again for another episode of Oxal FM soon. See you later. Thanks for having me. No worries. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Oxlade. What's up, YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> so, so... <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> We're so used to this uh, this this format of episode now, aren't we? 